Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to join me in Luke chapter 5 this morning. I'm starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 5. It's good to be home. Pastor Bev and I have been administering uh, not only in places of out of state, we've been ministering for spiritual fathers and spiritual sons, and it's been a season, been a real season of, of launching ministry and helping pastors, and I thank you for praying for us. And while we were gone this past week, um, I was able to celebrate my birthday with my beautiful bride and had a great time. We went down to the Gulf Coast. We were already there. So we made full use of it and got into the brown water of the Gulf Coast. <laughs> now, if you go on the Destin, Florida side, it's emerald green. If you go to Galveston, it's brown. And I had a pastor friend, Pastor Alex Garo, who he preached here in our sisterhood conference, you remember. And he told me that they had come home from Costa Rica. They lived in Costa Rica, moved to the United States. And he said, if you wanted to live in paradise, you would live in Costa Rica. He said, we had paradise out our back door. The water was pristine, clear and clean. Everything just perfect. He said, then we came to Houston to be on staff at a church, and they kept saying, you got to go down to the Calveston area. you got to go to the coast, go to the ocean. His kids were young then, and they loaded up the kids and said, we're going to the ocean, we're going to the ocean, we're going to the ocean. They drove to the uh, Galveston about an hour south of Houston, and they looked at the ocean. And they said, what is this? This is the ocean? And really what it is, it's so shallow, and the Mississippi River pours into that, that the water is brown. Now, it's clean water. It's clean water. But it's not blue and green like we would want it to be. How I many will say amen? So I text Pastor Alex and told him I was at the, at the beach there in Galveston, and he sent me a text back and said, do not get in that water. <laughs> Too late. So try to factor in a little R&R, and we just want to say good to see all of you this morning. You're looking good, and you look healthy, and you look like you want to be here. Amen? If you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 5, start with me. I want to speak on the thought, too legit to quit. I sent out a little post yesterday of me with my face on MC Hammer's face, and uh, do you know that there are some people in this world that just do not get my humor? I've been rebuked. I've been encouraged. And for those that know what that means, when you say I'm too legit to quit, there was a song in the 80s and 90s by an artist named MC Hammer. And I don't listen to his music because I'm sanctified. And I don't even know how I remember the title. <laughs> Must have been my wife who had told me because I know that. <laughs> but I have heard that in these last few years that MC Hammer had become a Christian and is now a preacher of the gospel. So we give honor where honor's due. So I wasn't really trying to rehearse his lyrics. It was just the thought of I'm too legit to quit. I'm, you can't talk me out of it. If you've ever had an experience with God, nobody can talk you out. 
of that. But I want to speak to anybody today who the Lord is speaking into your heart that at a time or two you have thought about quitting, quitting your job, walking away and say, put a fork in me, I'm done, y'all can have it. Quitting your marriage. I got no amens, nothing out of that is. No. We got a work got cut out for us. Quitting the ministry. Quitting relationships. Quitting the church. We've all thought about quitting a time or two. Pastor Tommy Barnett in Phoenix, Arizona said, you can think about quitting as long as you know you won't. It's not wrong to think about quitting. It's just knowing that you won't because there's enough stick to in you, enough go-through. <laughs> you got to have the go-through if you're going to make it through. So I'll draw your attention to one of the great disciples by the name of Peter. Peter, the talkative one. Peter, the cut your ear off and ask questions later, Peter. Peter, who when he got discouraged, quit the ministry and went back to fishing. And Peter, who was a big talker, and his mouth got him in trouble. I know we, there's nobody here like that. Not only put one foot in his mouth, he had both feet in his mouth. How do you talk when you have both feet in your mouth? Peter was the same Peter that on the day of Pentecost came out preaching. And 3,000 people were won into the kingdom of God. That Peter. And before all of that happened, and before all of his transformations happened, Peter had to go through some tests. And God will put you and allow tests to come into your life to prepare you for your testimony. He'll pull you out of your mess to give you a message. And the Bible picks up the story of fisherman Peter. And here we go in verse 1 of Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, which is Peter, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your net down to catch some fish. And Peter responded, Master, we worked hard all last night at the county fair and couldn't make it to church on Sunday. I mean, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And again, at this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. I had to stop there and say, you know, when you come into the presence of God, you're never the same. When you've had an encounter with God, you don't become prideful, puffed up, and try to tell other folk. When you have had a real experience with God, it'll put you on your knees. It'll let you know how low you must get in his presence. Not because he's a God to be feared, but because you have a godly fear. And you reverence him. 
and you realize that just one word out of his mouth can change everything in your life. And where he had been almost hesitant to obey God. I've been up all night. I worked a third shift. I don't want to be there. I don't want to do this. You asking me to go the second mile. What am I, a leaguer? You asking me to go the second mile. You asking me to do stuff that you don't ask other folks. They've been here as long as I have. You didn't ask them. Why would you be picking on me, Jesus? Why are you putting so many requirements on me, Jesus? Maybe I need to go home. I was trying to get to Bob Evans and get me some biscuits and gravy before I went home. Got to go home and tell the family that I didn't catch anything last night and you won't make me stay out here longer. You know I need my beauty rest. But he obeyed the Lord and I do believe he was hesitant because of his experience because the night before he caught nothing. And when you have caught nothing in your experience, you don't have much faith to believe that you will catch something in your future because your experience has kept you bridled. And so when Jesus said, launch out a little deeper and let your net down into the water, then Peter comes to a place when the nets begin to break and all this begins to happen and people started coming around to help him because he couldn't get it all in on his own. That's when he realized that God had been good to me. Is there anybody here that knows that God had been good to you? You wouldn't be here today if God hadn't been good to you. If he hadn't kept your coming in and your going out, you wouldn't be here. He saved you from a car wreck. He saved you from an accident. He saved you from a dreaded disease. I wish I had somebody to help me preach here. Even if you're going through it right now, I'm here to tell you your experience doesn't find your expectation. You have to believe God for that which is coming. So I prophesy to Bethel family. I prophesy to the 845 crowd, the people who got here early. I prophesy and declare to you that great things are coming. And when you come into the presence of God, it is a moment that you realize that I can get down low because if I get low enough, he'll lift me up and he'll encourage me and he'll strengthen me and he'll help me and he'll bless me. And he said, oh God, leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was all struck by the number of fish that they had caught and were as were the others with him. Who was with him? His partners, James and John. And the Bible said that the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. You know it had to be a miracle if the sons of thunder were amazed. Because James and John were called the sons of thunder. They were boisterous until God changed them. And John became not just the son of thunder, but John the beloved. And he was the last disciple to be at the cross to witness the death and burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Are you here? John was mentioned in that number. And so when you can amaze the sons of thunder, when you can amaze folks who've been in it a while, when you can amaze the loud mouths, when you can amaze the people who talk too much, when you can amaze the people who have a word for, uh, always have a word edgewise, when you, can, uh, when you can get those people to join with you and agree, this must be God, this must be God, then you know you're on the precipice of a great miracle. I feel my help in this place today. 
I want you to look down your row and tell your neighbor, say, we are too legit to quit. I stand before you today before a church that I know is making an impact on this community and upon this world. Our reach is not only in this city, our reach is beyond this city. Our reach is not only stateside, it is global. And if you are a guest here today, I want you to know that you are in a place that is maturing in Christ and reaching in love. And if you are a member of this house and you attend here regularly, I also want to remind you that you are in a place that is maturing in Christ and is reaching in love. 23 years ago, Beverly and our daughter Caitlin, who was in first grade, I believe then, we stood on the bow of this gospel ship and began to sail into uncharted waters and territories on the west side of Indianapolis. And I've looked back now and remember the faith that it took to lead this congregation through uncharted waters. And now I realize that it did not come easy to bring a church of folks together who are uh, colorful because the most, still the most segregated hour on Sunday, and I don't keep referencing this to try to stir things up, but I want you to remind you that we had to fight to get what we had. We had to walk through uncharted territory to say, I will love you no matter what color your skin is, whether you are red or yellow, brown, yellow, black, or white, you are precious in his sight. English, Irish, Scot, and Jew, Polish, and Italian too. I will fight for you. I will love you, and we will walk together in faith, and God will be our helper. 23 years ago when we stood on the bow of, the, of this ship and began to sail into uncharted territory, we never thought we'd be in where we are today because pastoring a church, not only that is colorful, hallelujah, but pastoring a church in today's culture where people are disrespectful, disobedient, rebellious, don't want nobody to tell them. It is unlike anything I have ever seen from those who came before me, uh, anything that I experienced as a PK, a pastor's kid, anything that my mom and daddy have ever experienced and my grandparents for them with so many people who are giving up today, so many people who are throwing in the towel, so many people who say, I don't need the church, so so many people say, I can live this thing on my own. I don't need nobody. I can make it on my own theology. And then I see so many pastors who are walking away. God has gifted us and graced us to the ability to help pastors around this country. But it only started because God gave us a great church that we could serve and lead people in faith and see health. Come on, somebody. We had to fight for health. We had to fight to say there'll be no gossip here. We had to fight to say there'll be no mess here. We had to fight and it did not make us popular. And I count it a great honor along with Beverly to lead Bethel Family Worship Center. God has graced us with fivefold ministry in this house. We are pastors to some, apostles to some, prophets to some, evangelists to some, and we are teachers to others. But Bethel, hear me today. Your pastors are a reflection of you. Your pastors are a reflection of you, and you are a reflection of us. God has graced Bethel with a voice and a vision, and we are seeing results because 
of that voice and that vision and with the grace that God has extended to us, let me remind you that anytime God graces you to do something, there will be a price to pay to do it. To pastor in today's world is not only a joy, but it can also be jeopardizing to one's health. So many people are leaving the ministry today. I'm not here to give you gloom and doom, but I've got to state some things. Leaving because of stress, leaving because of struggle, leaving because they can't handle the pressure of dealing with principalities and personalities. You have to be called to this. In fact, if, if you can talk me out of my calling, then I was never called. If I can talk you out of your calling, you were never called. If I could get up in your ear and tell you you're not called of God and get you to doubt yourself long enough, you will backpedal and you will backslide and get out of the things of God and say, oh, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Oh, no. Don't you let the devil whisper in your ear and tell you that you can't do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You'll never know how much strength you have until you go through your weakest moment and your most vulnerable, transparent time in your life. Then God will strengthen you and he'll be your rear guard and he'll be your help in the time of need. He'll be a bridge over your troubled water. He'll be a stronghold in the day of trouble. I'm not preaching to anybody that needs to remember and realize that God is your help in the time of your need. So many people leaving the ministry today, backing out of church membership, leaving and not saying goodbye to nobody. It is disrespectful. It is rude. But thank God he has kept us. I'm preaching to some people that God has kept today. And yet with every season, God has allowed us to lead together in this congregation. He has given us the grace to lead. Isn't that what a shepherd does? A shepherd will lead you beside still waters. A shepherd will lead you in through turbulence. A a shepherd will lead you through hidden dangers that you didn't see coming. A shepherd will lead you through the valley seasons of your life. A shepherd will lead you through the mountaintop experiences of your life. And again, I remind you, Bethel, that your success is a reflection of us and our success is a reflection of you. I'm trying to drill down this morning to get you to understand that they go hand in hand. One without the other will not make it. We have to have a sheep and we have to have a shepherd. I need you as much as you need me. I need your prayers as much as you need my preaching. Are you understanding? It's not about a who's who. It's about walking in a synergistic anointing where God anoints us, where two or three are gathered together in my name. He said, there I am in the midst of them. Where two or three would agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. You can't get the harvest in all by yourself. You're gonna need some partners to make this happen. And here's a side note. This is what I've observed about success. Success breeds contempt. Jot that down, you journal takers. Success breeds contempt. In other words, when you start becoming successful in men's eyes, they will hate you because they ain't you. You will know you are winning when they start hating. You will know you're winning when people start hating you. Drinking that haterade. Drinking that haterade trying to, to dilute your favorite. Now that was a Russellonian. Drinking that haterade trying to dilute your favorite. 
If nobody's hating you over it, your dream isn't big enough. If nobody's hating you for it, your dream is not big enough. Who am I talking to? You'll know it's big enough when they start hating you for it and nothing you can do satisfies them and nothing you can do appeases them and nothing you do calms them. That's a sign that you are getting ready to get in and receive a net breaking blessing that is coming your way. And I've learned this, that God will bless you until the devil hates you. Ha, let me say it again so I can bust the last tooth out of his mouth. That God will bless you until the devil hates you. In other words, he'll keep on pouring it on you and the devil gets so stirred up. I'm not here to give any glory to the devil. I'm just trying to tell you to be watchful and, and know your adversary. That he'll hate you for the blessing that is upon your life. The more that God blesses you, the more that the enemy hates you. So it does not matter where I live. It doesn't matter where I go to church. It doesn't matter who I'm married to. It doesn't matter where I work. If God is blessing me, no matter where I am geographically, I'll be hated of the devil. You ought to go ahead and say amen there because some people have been hating on you and the world has been coming and hate against you because of the blessing of on your life. I know you don't want to help me there because you say, well, that's, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. Oh, let me tell you, when you step out to do anything for the Lord and you do something big and you have big grandiose dreams for God, the enemy will come against you with everything that he has. And the more hated you are is the more blessed you are. You've got to turn this thing around and say, I know I'm more blessed. Don't whine over what you're going through. Rejoice. Don't go, don't stumble over what you went through. Praise your way out and to say there must be a reason that I'm being hated. There must be a reason that I've had to endure afflictions. There must be a reason I spent the night crying into my couch. There must be a reason. Here's the reason. High five your neighbor and tell them I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. Say I'm blessed. I'm speaking to somebody today and I don't know who I'm prophesying to, but get ready. God's sending a net breaking blessing in your life and it's, it's going to come in your life, pressed down, shaken together, and it's going to come running over. Oh, hear me, Bethel. We are in a blessed season. We have come through too much. We have overcome too much. We have seen too much. We have witnessed too much. And I heard the Lord say, stop looking at what you can see with your eyes and start looking at what you can see through the Spirit because I'm about to bless you, but it must be spiritual seen where God is taking us our old wineskin will not work old systems old religion old structures old ideas where God is taking Bethel old wineskins aren't going to work God is in this season handing Bethel an opportunity. I felt this coming out of COVID. I felt this in that time frame. That what God was bringing to us was an opportunity 
to take the limits off, to dismount what was dead and take the limits off. It's like God is saying, I'm handing you a blank check <laughs> and I want you to go ahead and fill in what you need because whatsoever you desire is before us in this season. Man, I feel this prophetically. Look down your row and nod at somebody who believes this with you. That whatsoever you believe is for you in this season. And I declare over Bethel Family Worship Center a net-breaking blessing in Jesus' name over every family, over every home that is into the sound of my voice in the name of Jesus. I have faith to believe on this level and I declare that your family is gonna see an increase. I declare that uh, your family will be blessed to the overflow as you have sown, oh I hear the Lord say, as you have sown in fertile soil, God said the seed that you sown is gonna produce a great harvest beyond what you can even ask and beyond what you think. Quit trying to quit. God said, press through your quititis and give God a seed of faith and say, Lord, I trust you in the hard time. I trust you in the rough time. I command in this house, the limits are coming off. I command in this house, barriers are coming down. Strongholds are being destroyed off of you. If you believe it, say yes. 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 I'm too legit to quit. Give God 20 seconds of praise and thank him. Hey! God sent me, God sent me here with a rhema word, a God-breathed word. And here it is, write it down. Blessings are coming to this house. Blessings are coming to this house. Now, the level I'm talking about, it won't be done by only two people. It's not gonna get done by your pastors. It's not gonna get done by the pastoral staff who didn't come for pray for Boo Boo's toenail. It's not gonna be done by the ministry coaches there's not one person in this place that's gonna be able to pull this harvest in by themselves. Hear me, Bethel. And perhaps you're here today and you're a self-made person. And you have come to the conclusion that your thoughts outweigh God's. And you're doing pretty good. You've made it this far. You've done pretty good on your own. <laughs> All by yourself. <laughs> Some people want to be. I didn't get one amen for the balcony. I hear, I see you up here. I was amen in you. And that's a lot of people in every home, every church, in every city, in every environment that have done pretty good by themselves. And I know I'm preaching to probably to some here that you came up the rough side of the mountain and you're here. You had to pray for yourself. Some of you had to raise yourself. 
There have been times you couldn't get a hold of nobody on the church hotline, <laughs> the helpline. So you had to just resort to praying your own self, which is what the Word of God originally told you to do. And what Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says, your pastors are supposed to prepare you to do the work of the ministry yourself so that you can do it for yourself. You've had to learn how to pray for your own self. You have had to learn how to anoint your own head. You, own, you went underneath the kitchen sink and got the big can of Crisco out and, you, and said, oh Lord, if this worked for grandma, I know this is gonna work for me. I mean, I've had to anoint my own self and you've had to anoint your own self and become your own usher to catch yourself. Hold my purse. I've had to pray for my own self. In the midnight hour when I couldn't get a hold of nobody, when the text messages were down, no cards in the mailbox, no emails to run through, I had to pray for my own self and anoint my own head with oil. And maybe you are here and the reason that you don't lean on other people so much anymore is because you didn't have a lot of people to count on growing up. People let you down. People hurt you. People offended you. People failed you. And you had come to a place, I'm preaching to somebody, that you can only trust a few people and even them you're suspicious of. You didn't always have someone to confide in. And yet, God blessed you. And yet, God has you here in your right mind today. But for the assignment that is ahead of this church and this congregation, it's going to require all of us to pull this blessing in. It's going to require all of us to pull it in and to see it come to pass. And then I look at old brother Peter. Peter, he wasn't the smartest pencil in the box. But Peter, even though he may not have had a lot of sense, because there are some people that are book learned and educated, but they got no common sense. They can tell you stats and statistics, but they don't know how to interact with people. Nobody wants to help me here. They smart as a tack, but they're ignorant in how to smile and how to get along with anybody. I can't even look up for fear everybody be shooting me looks. Don't be giving me the stink eye. Peter, even though he didn't have it all together, he had some great discrepancies in his character. He had some issues of going to want to retreat and backslide. He had anger issues. He, he had trouble controlling his temper. Oh, oh, yet, but there was one thing that Peter got right in this process is that he, he had his nets ready. He had his nets ready and he did something. And I want you to write this down. Peter had his partners ready. He had people in other boats who were ready and when his nets began to break let me tell you it was too late for him to try to pick out his partners or who's going to be on my side and who's going to help me when 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 it was time to bring the harvest in he didn't have time to say well, now who's going to help me do this and this is why I liken this when somebody calls you at two o'clock in the morning who has swallowed a bottle of pills and has tried to take their own life and then they say to you I don't want to die 
die. Please pray for me that God will help me right now. You don't have time to put them on hold and go find you a prayer closet and go find them a prayer partner. You don't have time to say, well, let's see if we can get you into the hope ministry next week. Oh, no, brother. You better have the unction of the Holy Ghost inside of you that will declare over them, you shall live and not die to proclaim the glory of the Lord. There must come an anointing from somewhere. And I don't care if you have had a rough week or if you feel like you're the chiefest of sinners yourself. You better call on Jesus and say, I'm going to find a place for God to move by his grace and power. You don't have time in that moment to find you a partner. When the blessing comes in, that's not the time to be picking partners. His partners were strategically located all around him so that should the increase occur, he was surrounded by the kind of people who would help him, not drain him. The power of the text is in the partners. Because when the blessings started coming in, the nets began to break. And if Peter had not identified his partners, everything that God gave him would have been lost. Who am I preaching to? You prayed in a blessing but didn't have enough strength to carry it. Didn't have the capacity. Didn't have the mental aptitude. Yet you prayed and asked God to bless you. Sometimes the best thing God can do is wait until you're ready. But because he had identified his partners before the production ever started, when the release came, he already had the right people around him to handle what God was about to do. I wish you would hear this prophetic word. Look all around you, and I mean look. Look physically around you this morning. Who do you have around you? When the blessing begins to come into your home and into your ministry and into your life, who do you have identified around you? Oh, let me preach here. If everybody around you is taking from you, then you don't have the right partners. If everybody around you is draining you and wearing you out and taking your strength because they constantly need and need and need and need and they're pulling you down, you don't have the right partners. If all of them are nursing from your strength, you don't have the right partners. Oh, You need to be surrounded by people who can carry some weight in your life. And as the leader of this congregation for the last 23 years, I've learned that I need people around me who can carry some weight. I can't carry everyone. I may for a little bit, but I'll wear out quick. There comes a time when people have to help carry the weight of this calling. My God, hear me, Bethel. I speak this to every business owner. I speak this to every entrepreneur, to every pastor that is here, every ministry leader, every father, every mother, every supervisor, and anyone who's not trolling Facebook while I'm trying to preach. If you lead anything, a family, a business, a ministry, or whatever, here's what you need to know. You need to be surrounded by people 
who are weighty. And I'm not talking about fat people. I'm talking about people who can carry the weight. You need some weighty people around you. You need to be in a room with somebody who can help you. Who can inspire you. Who can train you. Who can encourage you. Who can help lift the weight off of you. If everybody in your circle is needy, you in the wrong circle. If everybody around you, nobody has a boat, nobody has a net, everybody wants to borrow your stuff, that's why you got to put your name on it, because you know you're never going to see it again. Then you are surrounded by the wrong people. Mm, I feel this. Peter had partners who owned their own boat. Where are my real partners at? Where are my real partners at? Do you have anybody around you who contributes anything to you? Or are they all just bloodsuckers drawing the strength out of your life? I'm telling you the power in the text is the partners. Your power comes from your partners. AT&T knows it. Google knows it. And God says it's time for you to know it, that your power is in who you draw strength around you. You need strength. You need strategic alliances with people who can lift the weight off of you. When the nets begin to break and the great draught of fish begin to come in and their nets begin to break, Peter had already identified who his partners were and he called them and said, hey, y'all, come on over here. If they had been far away, if they had been at Lake Monroe all week and, and still couldn't make it back to church uh, even if they've been at uh, uh, they say well I don't want to give anybody anything that I've got but they were at the fair anyhow but can't come to church oh I know uh, nobody wants to preach with this pastor oh if they had not been where they should have been everything that God said Peter could have would have been lost but he had him some partners who got in the vein and said we're waiting on a net breaking blessing brother Peter his partners were traveling in packs I'm preaching to somebody I'm here to tell you you got to always have your boys with you just in case the devil attacks you got to always have your posse with you just in case the devil attacks surround yourself with people who don't just love you I'm glad that this congregation loves me, but loving me is not going to get this harvest in. I'm glad you love me, but loving me won't get the fish in. He had people in place, his partners. They traveled in packs. I kind of like it when we have people in our congregation who haven't been saved that long. Here's somebody talking about the pastor in the hallway. 
And they come up to him and say, you ain't going to talk about my pastor like that. I will cut you. <laughs> you need to have some people in your posse who are saved but not quite delivered. <laughs> and those of you that were looking to be offended, jot that down so you can bring it up and tell me later. Thank you. I want to know, can you carry some weight when I'm under attack? They were partners, not pullers. They were partners. And I'm not talking about partners in the traditional charismatic sense that we are all partners in the ministry. That's only one level. I'm trying to get you to come to another level. I'm talking about a team, our circle. Who are the people of BFWC that surround this church with strength? Who are you? If you're here, you ought to say amen. amen. I'm talking about the people who are lifting the weight of the blessing that is also a burden. Because even if God blesses you, you are tasked to carry it. Where are the people who can carry the blessing and the burden. People who are making the ministry of BFWC happen. People who can partner with the worry and the stress. And I'm not talking about the people who just come to eat the fish, because there'll always be people who show up for the free chicken dinner. But I'm talking about the people who can carry the weight when the net is about to break. And I see this in my spirit for the next season of Bethel Family Worship Center. It's going to take partners, not pullers, to bring it in. I said it's going to take partners, not pullers, to bring it in. I say it's going to take partners, not pullers, to bring it in, to get the job done. The blessing that God is sending us before the coming of the Lord is so big that our pastors and this team here will not be able to carry it all. God is going to send more partners. And in the past couple of years, even COVID, if it didn't take pastors and churches out, other things did. My phone has stayed hot with pastors calling for help, not knowing how to navigate through uncharted waters. Some churches will never realize open their doors. They didn't have the strength. They didn't have the partners. They didn't have things in place before the attacks happened. And I have seen personally pastors who are driving, who are resigning in droves, who are quitting the ministry over stress attacks and nervous breakdowns and affairs and addictions and all kinds of stuff that is happening today. Oh, I'm telling you, our nets are breaking worldwide today and we must have people people in our churches who not only believe in the dream but people who are all in and say I'll carry that for you I'll carry that weight I'll carry it for you I'm not just here so I can get seen on the platform I'm here to be a lifter I'm here to strengthen this ministry quit being a puller and be a partner the last 23 years, we've learned that the blessings can break your net. You got to learn how to handle a net-breaking blessing. Woo. I'm going to go start me a church. 
you don't even have your family together. Hey, you got, what? Blessings can break your net. The phone calls, the responsibilities, the criticism, the aggravation of dealing with junk, stuff that should have been handled between people through the Matthew 18 process, trying to bring it into the church. If you got offense with your brother, go to him, not me. If you got offense with me, don't go to other people, come to me. Let's put the devil out of business. You're slow, but worth waiting on this morning. Put the devil out of business. Some people don't want you to teach them about God. They want you to be God and wave a magic wand over their situation. Poof, abracadabra. Your marriage is fixed. Poof. Poof. Your job is fixed. Poof. Your problems with your mother-in-law is fixed. Poof. Your big spending, playing the lottery, financial problems is poof. <laughs> Now, if I was leaning in your direction, don't you blame the poof. Don't you even say, he poofed me, he poofed me. If you don't learn how to handle a net-breaking blessing, then over the years, it will break your net. And if you don't have anybody within hollering distance who can come in and grab the net and say, hey, give that to me. Let me carry that. And... You don't have to pat them on the back for doing it. You don't have to put their name in the bulletin for doing it. You don't even have to give them a corsage to wear. They just do it because they're a partner. And when I look around this house, I see people who are weighty. I'm looking at some weighty folks. You are a partner in this house. And your anointing that is upon you is to lift the weights of your pastors. To lift the weights of the people around you, not add problems, but bring solutions. I'm plenty on problems, but what I lack is solutions. And this is what Peter did. He hollered, hey. He yelled, hey. Somebody holler, hey. hey. Is that the best hey you got? Even somebody ringing the phone is calling hey to say hey. Somebody say hey. hey. What a blessing it is to holler out hey. And know that people will holler back. We got your hey, we got your hey, we got your hey. And I'm not even talking about rerun hey, hey, hey. But I'm talking about somebody who has a hay anointing. Somebody who has a hay spirit. And I'm sure there are plenty of hay hays in this room. But let's just suppose there are some people who haven't found their hay yet. Let me encourage those that are borderline. Get your hay and learn how to holler back to your pastor 
to your leader, to your partner. Come on, somebody. We got you, pastor. We got this. We got this. We gonna do this. You want your pastor to preach with fire? Then pull the hay out of him. Pull it out of him and say, hey, what am I saying? Holler back if what God has given to you through him is hitting you. Somebody say, hey. Well, Mr. Pastor, this is not my personality. I am a quiet and a very reserved person. If I handed you a check for $10,000 that eliminated your debt, I'm sure I'd get a hey, hey out of somebody in this room. Somebody holler, hey. Take 20 seconds and give God a hey praise. Hey! Peter had partners strategically in place who responded to his hey. If he didn't have partners, having the anointing would not have been enough. It's the anointing that caught the fish, but it's the partners who pulled it in. Catch this. I don't read anywhere in scripture where Jesus carried any fish. His partners carried the weight of the blessing. His partners carried the weight of abundance. His partners carried the weight of increase. And there in this gathering of believers, in this body ministry, there is a net-breaking blessing. In closing, this is what the Lord had been speaking to me, that, that this next season, and I want you to catch this, of BFWC is going to be net-breaking. <laughs> I felt that. I totally felt that. I have been feeling this. I wanted to release this word. It took me a few weeks to get here. That in this next season, BFWC is moving into a net breaking blessing. So I heard the Lord to tell, to tell to every member of this house. He told me to tell you this, and those of you that are watching, and those of you that are here, you need to catch what I'm about to say. I heard the Lord say to guard your heart as you carry this weight. I heard the Lord say, refuse to be disillusioned. Refuse to be disinterested. Refuse to be disheartened. And here's the big one. Refuse to be disgruntled. Refuse to be lazy. Refuse to be idle. Refuse to be hard to deal with. Woo! Easier to hear this than it is to preach it. 
I heard the Lord tell me to say this to the people of God. Plug in. Engage. Get involved. Step out in faith. Use your resources. Promote what's promoting you. I give honor today to every leader in this house and every person who serves. You are the partners that are carrying the weight of this ministry and you do it out in front and you do it behind the scenes. You do it when you don't get paid. You do it when a Starbucks gift card is nowhere to be found. And you've done it for a long time. If I were to call out every staff member, every marriage, every deacon, every elder, every administrator, every associate here, every willing volunteer, if I was to call out whoever, if I was to call their name of the people that I know who are at their breaking point, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked who is just one moment away from completely collapsing under the pressure of life. So I speak a partner's blessing over you right now in Jesus' name. I speak a synergistic anointing over you. For those of you who are standing with your pastors, not behind where you can point, but with them, I speak to the hey hayes in this room. You've been pulling. You've had some lonely times. You felt like your strength is depleted. You're about ready to quit. You're grasping for ideas. And I'm here to tell you, you've got a hey hey for me. I need your hey, hey, and you need mine. I prophesy that the anointing that rests upon this house is going to rest upon you. And I heard the Lord say there are weighty partners in this house. That 10,000 demons can't stop. They can't keep us from pulling the harvest in because there's some weighty partners who've identified themselves as a hey, hey, who've identified themselves. And they may even be new to Bethel Family Worship Center, but they've been looking for a church like this for a long time. And they've attached their faith to the dream of this house. They've attached their faith to the vision of this house and to the expansion of this house. And here's what God sowed to me in my prayer. There is a paracletus anointing in this house. Hallelujah. There is a paracletus anointing, an anointing that comes alongside of you to help and to lift the weight of this vision. Here's what I want to do. I want everyone in this house to stand. 
I want the praise team to come back and sing the conquering song they sang, whatever that song was, I can't remember. You are my conqueror. I want to do something maybe a little odd or unusual, but I want everyone in this place to stretch across this house into the aisles until everyone is connected to somebody across this front all the way in the get just step out of your section fill the aisle join hands till everybody the best you can anyhow as you are stepping out and you are making a connection between all these seating sections with your brothers and sisters in Christ who are also known as partners Greet the persons around you and say, hi, partner. Say it a little louder and a little jovial. Hi, partner. <laughs> I've been knowing you, partner. I heard the Lord say that he's going to increase connections in this house. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be found in the midst of them. Look at these partners here this morning. God is wanting to put people in your life, I hear this, who will lift you, who will strengthen you, and who will encourage you. So he's gonna give you some divine connections. People who are gonna pray for you, who will lift you up and strengthen you. Not because you're not blessed, but because you are. <laughs> you are so blessed, you're gonna need help. <laughs> we are so blessed, we're gonna need help. You can't carry this by yourself. It's too great for us. And I speak to every partner in this place. You can teach something, you can preach something, you can carry something, you can budget something, you can organize something, you can lift something. God's going to use you in this next season at Bethel Family Worship Center. And I say there's a hey, hey anointing. Hey, over everybody in this house. And you're going to recognize the needs before they even present themselves. Because you have a hey, hey anointing. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 